0: Hello, and welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 64. Today, Brian and I are continuing our series on the book of Ephesians. We're looking at the opening section of chapter three and God's mystery that was revealed to Paul. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that you can find us at thebiblebistro.com on Instagram and Facebook at The Bible Bistro. You can watch us on YouTube as well at Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. If you are watching us there, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We've also set up a Patreon account. So if you're enjoying the podcast and would like to support our continued work, you can do that. You can find a link for that in the show notes, but also by going to the website, thebiblebistro.com and clicking on the link at the top. If you can't financially support us, you could also support The Bistro by simply sharing the podcast with others or leaving us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps us as well. All right, let's jump right into our conversation discussing Ephesians chapter 3. Hey, Brian, welcome back to The Bistro. Hey,
1: Ryan, how's it going today? It's going all right. Yeah, Is it? Well... (laughs) You know, it is going well. It is
0: going well. So. One thing I think a lot of people don't hear. Right. Is you and I trade jovial barbs with each other sometimes? <laughs> what? It's me? Yeah. Yes, Who? me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and so it's that's why the question am I having a good day? But we've had we it has been a good it day. It has been a good day.
1: Yeah, we're here actually in the bistro together, which is always nice. It's, yes. We feel like there's a little bit more chemistry that's going on. <laughs> Together. So it's
0: electric in the room yeah, right now. You know. Our fans. There oh, there's no one here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> anyway. Yes. So yeah. So welcome back to Bistro. We're continuing. We had a great episode last week. Yeah. The interview well, with yeah.
1: Josh and Sarah. If you haven't listened, go back and listen go to it. Go back and listen. It's very good. It's and order the
0: book. Yes, and order so. the book. I'm gonna yeah. make this a musical. Oh great. Yes, you love it. Um, yeah, so go back and listen to that. But we're continuing today. Yeah, and Our, and our, journey, our yeah. journey through Ephesians. We've had some great episodes. If yeah. you're just catching up, you can just jump into Ephesians 3 if yeah. you want. But I would strongly encourage everyone to go back and take a listen. If you yeah. haven't listened to... Um, even intro to Ephesians, I, right. I, I'm learning how to title these episodes because <laughs> we talk about some things that kind of I think help us understand. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the context of some of this.
1: Yeah, and 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 I mean I know that there are, there are one of the things we don't really do too much in the bistro is talk about a lot of different views. I kind of present here's you know sometimes I will here's some other ways to understand this. But uh, yeah, I think I think that intro will help us to understand. So you know, we're in chapter three now, right? Yes. And I, I'm looking. <laughs> that was pretty abrupt, right? Yeah. And (laughs) Yeah, I'd go back and listen. Anyway. (laughs) So we're in chapter three, and we're getting ready to head to one of my favorite sections in the book of Ephesians, fourteen through twenty-one. It's one of my favorite, and in fact, my favorite part in in Ephesians. Beginning of chapter three, there are some people. And when you read some of the commentaries, they'll talk about Paul kind of goes on this excursus. In fact, he kind you, of wait, wait, wait. What do you mean by excursus? excursus. He kind of, it kind of. I would almost call it a parenthetical kind of statement. It's like he goes. They say it kind of interrupts the flow. Mm-hmm. I think it connects, but but it is interesting. Look at verse one. I'll show you this one into. Two and and um, you know your different translations will try to show this in different ways, but it's almost like he starts to say something and then he interrupts himself. Paul does this, I, you know. There's if you read enough of Paul's letters, you start to see this. But but look what I says in verse one. For this reason, I Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles, and then he says, "Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace." So so he seems to be saying it almost like he interrupts himself, mm-hmm. and so he starts out. And, and in fact, if you go down uh, in, into verse. Um, Oh, where, where would I say? Um, if you go down kind of toward the end of this, you you do see that he he he, he seems to be um, he he could connect this directly from from what he says about being a prisoner down later in 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 the chapter, but he goes back and basically suggest here that they need to understand the way that God has called him and the way that God has used him in order to carry the message of the Gentiles. So anyway, let me go back and say a couple of things. Okay. So he, he – so far we've had this kind of you plural and the we, right? Right. We – you know, first person plural we say, second person plural. Uh, we have and you – and now he says, I, Paul. And that's a little bit of a different kind of change, right? So yes. it's first person singular now instead of first person plural. And he calls himself a prisoner. And this is the first time that he's really acknowledged that or mentioned that. Uh, this is one of what we call the prison epistles. We do understand that Paul's writing from prison, prison in Rome. And uh, so, you know, probably what we see at the end of chapter 28 house arrest or Acts chapter 28 a house arrest that Paul's in Rome during this period of time he's writing. And again, I think you mentioned the intro section, but I think he's writing Ephesians, Colossians and Philemon and sending them at the same same time. So mm-hmm. lots of similarities between Ephesians and Colossians. So he says he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. So he's just been talking about this idea, as we said a couple weeks ago, we were talking about this idea of the connection, the conclusion between the Jews and the Gentiles. And then in verse 2, he he kind of reminds them then of his as i mentioned his calling and i think he's specifically referring here to the damascus road experience uh we read about in the book of acts where where paul was going up to damascus in order to persecute the church christ appears to him on the road he's struck blind he goes uh and is told to find this man named ananias and and there and well i should say ananias is told to go look for paul and um you know, he he basically gives him God's calling. He's healed, and uh, you know, we see Paul from that point on, kind of becoming an advocate on behalf of the church. And as much as he tried to destroy it before, so what's interesting here when it says, "Surely you've heard about this story," is it's another indication to me, at least, that this is not just written to the church in Ephesus, but this is written to other people who may not have you know known paul directly or heard this story from paul himself probably again writing to a to a broader audience in asia minor some who who probably many maybe who'd never met paul in the flesh but he's reminding them of this story and he says surely you've heard about this you know this is a major turning point in in what god was doing so surely you've heard about this um Go ahead and read verses just two and three for me, if you would. Yep. Uh, although, let me say again, this two, two through seven is one sentence. This will become important a little bit later on more. But again, this all kind of connects. We break it up to make it good English. But read verses two and three, if you would. Yeah.
0: Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of christ which was which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the spirit to god's holy apostles and prophets this mystery is that through the gospel the gentiles are heirs together with israel members together for one body and sharers together in the promise in christ jesus i became a servant of this gospel by the gift of god's grace given me through the
1: working of his power now you'll notice that if you're reading the NIV, which that was just from the NIV, there's a paragraph break. Yeah. actually between six and seven, which I don't understand because again seven is the end of the sentence. Really, if you look at this in the Greek Bible, they or the Greek New Testament, they they break it after seven, which I think is a much better uh, breaking breaking place here for it. But it does seven does connect with what he's going to go on and say in the next. Part, which is not not surprising to us. Let me break this down a little bit. He calls this here the idea of the administration of God's grace. Um, th- this is kind of the idea. Administration is the idea. That this is something that belongs to someone else, but you're given responsibility to care for it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so here's the idea that that this administration was given to me for you, in other words, on your behalf. So he was given this responsibility uh, to preach about God's grace, to to talk about it on their behalf. And specifically, he says, it's the mystery, and we've talked about mystery before, that was made known to be my revelation. Now, what, what did I say? Miss how Paul uses mystery. When did when are we talking? Something about that, that just
0: had not been uh, that ha, that was a, a truth, but had just not been revealed. Right, it's
1: previously not... unknown, but yeah. has now been revealed. I would say previously hidden. We might even say, and and now has been made known. So, this mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. So go back. He mentions writing it briefly. Go back and look at chapter one, uh-huh. verses nine and ten. What does he say about the mystery there?
0: Uh, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ.
1: So part of this mystery is this idea that in Christ, he's going to bring unity. And so he's already talked about this idea. In chapter 2, he brings unity between... You know God's people and God. He brings unity within God's people. Last half of chapter two. So that that's kind of that mystery. In specific, now he's going to mention this idea of the mystery being that um, the Gentiles are included. That's as you, as you read on, you you saw mm-hmm. that. But but that idea, I think, the bigger part of that mystery is that God is unifying all things in Christ. that's that's ultimately. As he says, when the times reach their fullness, that's what that's what was going yeah. And so, on do there. you see
0: that as maybe like the the previous idea that Israel, the Messiah, was going to be a conquesting king? You know what I mean? So, like, it would be like they're the dominant. And
1: sure, it's it's certainly part of that. I think I think that's part of the the, the thing that was surprising, I suppose. Um, and for Paul, you know, I, I think specifically what he's focused on here, I would say, is the, the inclusion of the Gentiles. That that's something that he didn't see before, mm-hmm. but now has been revealed it was revealed to him
0: yeah and it, we i don't know if we've talked a whole lot about this like what do you see the makeup of this audience is it oh, primarily
1: yeah. gentiles is it I'm primarily jews that. a
0: little bit of gentile like what do you see this audience so this, being like
1: uh, this is Asian, it's a very good question it's it, this is asia minor and i think the way he's writing this letter what it seems is that it would be a vast majority of gentiles it makes sense in this area now there are going to be jewish people who live in ephesus for sure in that in that major city, maybe some of the outlying areas as well. But I think he's writing primarily to Gentiles. And even the way we saw the language in chapter two, uh, we and you all, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like he's imagining that most of the, audience are, are going to be Gentile. So I think that's a that's a very good question. I think that's how I would understand that. And again, Paul, that's what he sees his ministry as, right? He mm-hmm. sees his ministry as primarily being to the Gentiles. That's, his, that's what God has called him to, I would okay. say. So yeah, good question. Um, so you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, he says, in reading this then which was not made known to people in other generations. And I think he's talking here about those who had come before as it has now been revealed by the spirit of God to or spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. He talked before in the, in the last chapter you might remember about the, Prophets and apostles being the foundation of this building of the Jews and Gentiles, the cornerstone. Yeah, and and the Jews and Gentiles being built together in Christ to be a temple uh, where God lives by His Spirit. That kind of an idea. And, and so here's here's how he describes that mystery in verse six. That mystery is that through the gospel, the good good news, the nations or the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body. So there again is that idea of. Uh, of the church as as christ's body and shares together in the promise of christ jesus and then here's kind of where that parenthetical statement ends i became a servant of this gospel by the gift of god's grace given me through the work of his power uh notice that idea we talked about the gift and and grace before that that those concepts or those ideas are very very similar uh those those um Words in Greek even are very similar, this idea of the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So again, I think he's talking about uh, his calling and, and his responsibility. Now, again, it, it does seem like he goes into this parenthetical statement, but I do think it connects because what he's using is himself as an example of the fact that God not only has reconciled Paul to himself in Christ, but also has then given him a task Mm-hmm. And that's what I think Paul's primary point is in this whole section, is he's going to say that not only have we been reconciled to God, but then we've also, to use the language of Second Corinthians, we've also been given that ministry of reconciliation, you know, even as we're called together. Um with with all of God's people, we're then given a task. We're not left without without purpose and without something to do.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I mean I was just thinking like, man, he's just like repeating himself almost what we just saw at the end of two. You know what I mean? Like right. it's it's that right. it's that reconciliation piece again. Sure. But I, I I think that's it to to He's using himself as an example in that. I think that I, helps I, me understand why he why he might be repeating some of the same things right. I thought he was saying earlier.
1: I, I think that is. I, he's using himself as an illustration of, of the way that God has done this in a very specific individual, not just in a general sense. And then as he's... I, I think it's helping... It can help the people to whom he's writing imagine how God could be using them in the same kind of way. And and for us, I think it helps us imagine how God might be using us in the same in the same process as well. Cool. Yeah. So uh, let's go on then with verse eight. Let's just read, uh, let me see what I've got here. Just verses eight and nine uh, here, if you'd read the, just okay. those two verses yeah. for me.
0: Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past
1: was kept hidden in God who created all things? So, back in verse seven, I'm a servant. He, he says of this gospel, and he calls himself this a couple of different times: slave of the gospel, servant of the gospel. And, and uh, you know, he, he's he's talking about the fact that he is compelled, <laughs> he's bound by this. You know, this mm-hmm. is the the responsibility that he has that God has given him, the gift of God's grace. So I mentioned that earlier. This idea, of the gift of of, of God's grace, uh, and here he his he says this grace was given to me. Um, you know, grace is always given, right? It's something sure. that that is that we receive. Um, um, to preach to the Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ. Oh, let me go before I get onto that. I'm sorry. The fir- very first phrase: I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. Two weeks ago, when we talked about chapter two, there was this phrase, God's people. And it's the same thing here. The NIV has translated this. It's not a bad thing, but it's it's literally the saints or the holy ones is the word again. And they've called it the Lord's people. So Lord's people doesn't occur in the text. It simply says the holy ones or or the saints. And again, because we're sometimes bothered by that concept. Yeah. Well, I mean, saints d- d- does have a different connotation in, in different cultures. Mm-hmm. And even if you talk to people today about saints, you know they're going to think about what. What do you think? Like, like the Catholic Church. Yeah, you know, like like maybe images of statues of mm-hmm. particular people who are super holy people of some sort. Right. I think the way Paul uses this word again. In fact, well, I tell you what. Fl- flip over into First Corinthians. I know I'm doing this off the off the cuff. I didn't plan to do this. First Corinthians chapter one verses one through three. Just the just the opening there. Um, just notice what he says here about the church in Corinth. Okay.
0: Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brothers Sothenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus
1: Christ. What the NIV translates there is those sanctified, again, is that same word, the saints, right? Mm -hmm. The, The set apart ones. And so when he's writing the church in Corinth, now not to give away the ending, but if you've read the church, the the, the letter to the church in Corinth, there this first letter, they had problems, right? Yes, <laughs> they they were not without their problems, uh, and yet Paul calls them saints. And, and so when we use the word saint, we're thinking about super holy people, usually. You know, again, in in certain churches, you mentioned the Roman Catholic Church, for example, there are people who are who are called saints because um you know they've there's certain um a process that they've gone through in order to be recognized as that even when we use the term holy again i think we often have this idea of people who are super spiritual or i I don't know what you want to say their their behavior is exemplary in some part of the god squad but (laughs) i don't know that i've ever heard that one but (laughs) the, the, (laughs) the 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 um the idea of saints, though, is just that we are set apart by God in order to be his His people. And so that's why I think the NIV translates as Lord's people. But And I don't want to spend too much time on this. Now, why do you think Paul calls himself less than the least of all um, the saints, do you think? Uh,
0: yeah, I I mean,
1: that he, even in his lowly position, he has a task. Sure. And yeah, and, and so he thinks of himself in a humble way, I think. I think the other thing is he, he was... A persecutor of the church, and again, he he's just come off this where he's talking about being on the Damascus Road, and I think this idea that that you know of, of he calls himself in another t- context, I am I am the the chief of sinners, right? Mm-hmm. I am, I'm the worst of the worst, and, and so it's that kind of a, an idea that uh, you know though the least of all God's people, God gave me this specific grace to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. So I'm gonna go back to that boundless riches now. And that's the language I keep using. I keep talking about extravagant language. I was going to say the uses. lavish. Yeah. yeah, we talked about that in the chapter one. How many times have we had this term riches already? You know, mm-hmm. this idea of what we have in Christ. Again, probably, you know, not physical riches. We're not talking about you know, um, financial wealth, but here we're talking about this incredible gift that we have given in Christ. The the grace of God that is purposed in in the person of Christ. Um, and, and so he says, this is this is my my gift. So so it's almost like I can't imagine, even though I'm the least of all God's people, that God has given me this incredible task of sharing with with all the Gentiles this incredible news of what God has done in, in Jesus. And so that's kind of the I think the the message he's getting across. He says to make plain to everyone the administration uses that term again uh, oikonomia it's the idea of the the caring of a household the administration of this ministry which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things so ages past again is this idea is previously unknown created all things gets gets us to that idea way back in chapter 1 where it talks about that God chose us before the creation of the world and we talked then about is this the idea of choosing people or choosing the plan this is a part of that and then we'll see it again i think a little bit later as well that that when god set all things into motion this was his plan then for the gentiles to be included but even though generations hadn't seen that hadn't understood right. that and again I, I think i said this the last time we were together or, or two weeks ago i should say that the um you know that that is you can see it in the old testament there, there are examples of that in the hebrew bible uh we can see where god's plan was this but th- there's a sense in which somehow it, it was kept from being implemented or kept from being understood fully that's the mystery part of it, hidden hidden but now been made known uh, in in paul i think is is the way i would say this so that, that's verses eight and nine anything on that you wanted to uh, I
0: don't. I think so. I, I think again, kind of going back to those adjectives, like how, that he's, you know, the the lavishness, the boundless, yeah. ridges, the boundless riches, and and seen. Where Paul sees himself in this
1: and that he's yeah. given the task and what that means for those that are that are hearing this yeah. now. So. so now again, verse one, I Paul, prisoner, and then he interrupts himself. Surely you've heard this story about how God called me to give this particular thing, down through verse seven, continues in verse eight. So so I think really we could have skipped from one to eight, you mm-hmm. know, in some ways, even though I'm the less of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles. That that would have Sufficed, but he he goes through this whole thing to talk about his own his own calling, his own uh, purpose. And now here's where it takes a little bit of a turn in verse ten, and this is only a turn in this sense that I think this is what Paul's getting to. I think this is is where he's going when he's talking about his own experience. Uh, so verse ten says his intent, talking about God, who, the one who created all things. So again, we're thinking you know this is from the creation kind of idea. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of god should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies okay so you see this mystery that was was hidden and now in paul he's been given that grace in order to to preach this message of the gentiles right Mm -hmm. and now and he, he gives himself as an example but now through the church this has been the case now Paul's already talked about the church. Where would you say so far in Ephesians we've seen this concept of the church? Where do you think we saw it first? Uh, he, at the end of chapter one. The end of chapter one. He already brings in the church, his Christ body, the fullness of Him who who uh, will fill fills everything and everything right, every, every way. way. So so this is this is what Paul introduces at the end of chapter one, right? Then we have this idea back in chapter two where his body, both Jew and Gentile together, has been has been reconciled and built into the spiritual house of worship, right? Mm-hmm. And now we have in chapter three this idea that through the church, this ongoing task of revelation is, 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 is taking place, right? That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies. Back in chapter one, we talked about that, that idea of um, and, and again, we're going to see this later in chapter 6, verse 12, the, the idea of the spiritual forces right that are at work. These, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, What we said in chapter 1 is even behind some of the conflict that we see and some of the brokenness we talked about a couple weeks ago, when we talk about the brokenness between us, the hostility that's at work, Paul's recognition is there is something that's even behind that. Chapter 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Powers and principalities are what we are. That that's what this battle is about, mm-hmm. and, and so it's this spiritual message that is that is uh, what is what is um, you know carried. But here's here's the turn: is Paul is making clear to the church that they are this instrument. They are they are what God is now using in the same way that Paul was called. They're being called in order to be agents in this work of God as well. Mm -hmm. And as I've said before, to me, this is a mystery that we are called to participate in this work. Not only are we, and and you can even remember that when, when it's this idea, we are not saved by works that no man could boast, or no one could boast, sorry. <laughs> went went back to the eighty four NIV IV there for a minute. Um, <laughs> it's a glitch in the matrix yeah. for Brian. <laughs> not by works that that anyone could boast, but but we are his workmanship created to do good works, right? So right. we're we're created for this purpose of doing these things. Um, what, uh, yeah. What do you think it means when it talks about like in the heavenly realm and the heavenly authorities in the heavenly
0: realms? Like, mm-hmm. how do you see? I mean, that seems like it's spiritual some, forces. Yeah, I think. spiritual forces. So
1: so, and, and again, I'm not trying to get you know woohoo on this or anything but i mean seriously (laughs) thats a very technical term woohoo everyone (laughs) but but i think we cannot forget the reality of of the evil one which this is this is a spiritual battle Mm -hmm. right well i I just i guess the the thing is
0: is like to be made known to the rulers and the authority so like i mean
1: paul would think they would know about well would they so so how would they know um you know Peter and second Peter talks about um, Jesus preaching to the to the spirits Beards. that are now in prison right mm, yeah, so okay. this idea i think it's an it's a proclamation it's an announcement okay uh, of the defeat um, not to get too much into the book of revelation but we see the same kind of thing there right where there's this announcement you know there are these, there are these witnesses even the two witnesses which i think well that's a different yeah, thing give, that's talk, a church talk, again. talk about another yeah i think so which are making this this proclamation you know against the the powers that are at work within the world um, and again I'm not <laughs> all I'm saying is this here's here's I think here's the reason this is important I know you're always asking me so what here's the reason this is important It is I think there's a constant temptation for us as God's people when we see opposition to the message of the gospel uh, or, or, or even any kind of quote-unquote evil that we see done is we tend to focus upon the person mm-hmm. and and we forget that there is one who or there are those who are work behind that person prompting that kind of evil action now i'm not trying to to you're not trying to get woohoo i'm not trying to abrogate responsibility i'm not trying to say that they're somehow not not, not possible but but here's the thing here's the reality is we have done wicked we've done evil things let's go to Paul Paul was a persecutor of the church right he he was doing things in order to he talked about working against the gospel he was actively trying to destroy mm-hmm. what God had done in Christ and and the announcement of the gospel that was being made through the church. He was actively trying to destroy that. And God met him on the Damascus Road and showed him the reality uh, that revealed to him this mystery, right, that for ages, you know, even though it was planned from creation for the generations that are past has not been made known, he reveals that to him and then gives him the task of going out and 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 promoting the, the work of the church in the same way that he had, to the same extent that he had tried to destroy it before, right? right. And, and we find Paul, you know, throwing himself headlong into that task, but when we begin to focus upon the person, we're forgetting. And, and Paul says this a, a couple of different times. I was thinking about this. Um, oh, and when we you, you asked me a question two weeks ago about remembering, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things that Paul says um, is, uh, t- t- I'm trying to remember where it is exactly. I think it's Second Corinthians. But uh, remember, remember what you previously were. You know, he, he reminds them. This is what some of you were. Um, you know, you were, you were, um, you know, se- as he said in early in Ephesians, separate from God. You, you, this is where you were. But the gospel is what's reached out to you. And, and I think the problem is if we forget our sin, mm-hmm. and if we forget the way that we have been, um, you know, involved in the work uh, against the gospel. Then, then our tendency is not to see other people as those who are worthy of hearing the gospel but we begin to put the evil on them and that's why I think Paul says it's not flesh and blood that we wrestle against right mm-hmm. uh, that there's this other power at work but God has defeated that that power in Christ right and mm-hmm. so that's the announcement that's the that's the gospel that we're announcing I don't know if that if that yeah. answers your question yeah, well no or I, not. It
0: just it, it it should we know it, it just it it's it just made the not to all the earth, but to the heavenly realms, like it right. was just like it for me it was it was less about a, a, a horizontal and there was like a, a vertical sure a vertical right. nature to what the proclamation
1: was. and I was just wondering right. what you what, what you what you thought about that yeah let me go back to ten i want I want make sure you pick up this next purpose or this next point because I think it goes back to something we talked about early on, I think our second episode on Ephesians. His intent was that now through the church. Through the church, and, and I, t- I can't wait till ne- next our next time because yeah. that's what we're that's all we're going to talk about next time. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies, according to His eternal purpose. So God's His is here. God God's eternal purpose. So. That whole idea, when we talked about predestination and election, election, this kind of idea, this is God's purpose, uh, you know, eternally that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In in other words, and this is, I think, um, a a a purpose here. He accomplished uh, through uh, Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him, again, in Christ and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So in Christ and through our trust, our faith in Christ, we may now approach God with freedom and confidence. So that's kind of the the, the gospel in a nutshell, I suppose you'd say. And so then here is Paul's point. I'm going back to this idea at the very beginning in verse one. I'm a prisoner then. He says, Therefore, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. I ask you, therefore, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory, which I'm sorry, which are are your glory. So, Paul, you know, part of the thing he deals with in all the prison epistles, and, and spe- specifically in Philippians, which you know, is, is kind of a, a separate, in my mind, from Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, uh, but written at a similar time to a different purpose and to a different place, though. Um, part of what Paul has to deal with is if God is at work in him, and, and you know it's the same kind of thing that that it, Israel deals with in the Old Testament. If God is working in Him and through Him, how is it that He's been put in prison? Right. If God's the Victor, same kind of thing we see in the Book of Revelation. Right. If God is one, why is He in prison? And, and Pauls saying don't be discouraged by this but instead see that this is what God is working this is his plan and this is how he's working and he's going to do this through the church as well and uh, you know you now are a part of this so so think about this Paul I, I, I said before this is in the intro section that you talked about that intro thing Paul wanted to go to Ephesus. I think on his second missionary journey, he wanted to make a beeline for Ephesus because it's a major city, probably the third largest city in this period of time um, in in the world uh, depending on there's different estimates but but uh, we, you know, <laughs> no one no one else is no counting one, here. No one no, you, one, no one cares, right? I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, hopefully no experts are listening to this. But but the capital city of Asia Minor, you know, he he's he's made the first missionary journey which was just kind of a um, a, a little um, I think experiment in Galatia, near home. Go back to Syrian or uh, to not Syrian Antioch, um, yeah, um, to Antioch and the, yeah, Syrian Antioch. Sorry. And he says, um, you know, you know, this is working. He and Barnabas split up. You might yeah. remember, and he takes John Silas Paul. on yeah. the second second missionary journey. Picks up Timothy on the way, and then heads to Ephesus. And says the Holy Spirit keeps him from going there. And also keeps him from going to the north, and calls him over into into uh, uh, Macedonia, into and then finally into Greece and, and Corinth. He spends a significant amount of time—18 months—in Corinth, but but his desires to go to Ephesus. And when the third missionary journey begins, he makes a beeline for Ephesus and then he spends his time there. So he spends two years there a little over two years. And so here's, here's my point that I'm making is even though now he's in prison, he's saying, look at what's happened. I've come and I've preached the gospel to you. And and as I mentioned, I think he he was centered in Ephesus and it seems like there are people who came from the countryside in and were trained by him and then went out and carried the gospel with him into this whole region. He said, look at this, you know, here are all these churches now because of what God did through me. And now through these churches, he's continuing to make this appeal. He's, he's continuing to proclaim this to the rulers and authorities. So even though, and of course, rulers and authorities, the other part of it I didn't talk about is just this kind of an idea. I, I suppose that uh, I mentioned this when we talked about it in chapter one, that... Um, you know we might feel sometimes I- inadequate or or even um, harmed or oppressed by the the things that are going on around us the authorities that are that are at work around us but he's saying that this gospel has has been proclaimed and now it's the church's task and the church's responsibility to continue to share these things i am going to tell you something and now i'm getting excited but and i can't wait for next <laughs> next time we're together but the power of the, if we believe in the power of the gospel right mm mm-hmm. mhm if we believe in the power of the gospel, it is the force for for changing not only the world, the universe, right, for changing all things. And for, for the, this whole idea, God is going to put the entire universe, right, everything in every way under the headship of Christ, right? And he has called us as the church to be involved in that, as his holy ones, as his saints. He's called us to be a part of that process. Paul uses himself as an example, encourages, I think, these these Christians that he's writing to in Ephesus and Laodicea and Hierapolis and these other places to be involved in this process as well and recognize what an incredible thing it is that God is doing here in this part of the world. And that's, I guess, the thing I want us to get a hold of as well, is that that's what he's calling us to. To, to be involved in this process of restoration and reconciliation, not only between people and God, but also between people and people, uh, for us to be put into our right minds, which for some of us, that takes a lot more work than others, and and even for us to be at peace with God's creation, mm-hmm. you know, to be living in, in a way where we are um, at peace, even with this good world that God has given us, Um. You know, and that's that's what I think. That's what I think he's he's talking about here. Man, again, I can't wait because then he he breaks into this prayer, and and it is all that language of this is what we're going to be talking about next time we're together. All that language of extravagance, all that language that that repeated use of the word power we've talked about before, and, and the way that in Christ you know we now are are called to this is is what this this next section of the book of ephesians is about so questions or comments on any of that <laughs> no i mean it's 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 a call to the church i think so yes absolutely so not only the church in the first century but it's a call to us because the Holy Spirit is working through Paul, in my opinion. The Holy Spirit is working through Paul in order to make this God's word for us as well, right? And, and so that that's this idea that he is called that through his church. This is God's plan that through his church that this this message is going to be proclaimed. His eternal purpose that began in creation is now being, being uh, accomplished in us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing if you think about it. Yeah. And I,
0: uh, uh, you know, I think I'm really glad we're going through this because I think that's one of the, and and I think sometimes it's hard and I'm projecting here. I'm, gonna, I'm projecting, but I think sometimes in the church, we can often see it like the church needs to be doing this. Sure. Or we, we disassociate ourselves from right. the church. Like right. I'm I'm a congregant or you know I go right. I attend church and then there's the church and it's yeah. it's like the, the the federal government of the church needs yes. to be doing this. Yeah. And so like- but, It's but easy to point, point easy, fingers. Well, it's easy yeah. to point fingers and also, and I think- the church structure back then. I think it was. We've talked about this before, like a meal, and we've had these in the conversations. But like, it was much more of a community aspect. Sure. I'm living the suburbs, family, yeah. family yeah. and you know, I may not see people I go to church with, you know, but once right. a week, maybe. Right. Um And so I think you know I think the message is for yes, we as a community, but also us as individuals in that because I think it, sure. I mean, do you see it that way?
1: Yeah. I you you've said it's, yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's two two ways I'll respond to that. The first is this, yes, that that when we talk about the church, um, even I think we have to be careful about the language we use. You, you said the people that I go to church with yeah. Uh, yeah. and I try not to say that. Now I'm imperfect. I know this comes as a shock to many of you. but <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, I, the Holy Spirit is telling me, Ryan be quiet. Ryan, be quiet. <laughs>
1: So, um, so you know, I, I try to use the language of the church building, or, or you know, the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we go to. But we don't go to the church because we are the church, right? The church. Yeah. And, and and I also try to use the word, when I'm talking about a particular uh, local aspect of the church, I try to use the word congregation. And again, I'm not perfect in that, but I, I, I do that for myself to kind of remind myself of this truth. That the church is all of God's people, <laughs> mm-hmm. right, together in all places throughout history. You know, this is the amazing thing. Again, we, we had this great interview last week with, mm-hmm. with, with Josh and his, his testimony and talking about how the, the church received him. And, and again, that's not just the work of a congregation. That's us. Right, That that was at our best, at least. That's us. And that's the whole idea of the one body that we saw in chapter two. So I think we have to even be careful about the way we use this language. Um, the church isn't... So there's two two ways I don't like to use the word. I don't like to talk about going to the church, and I don't like to talk about having church. Or what time is church? <laughs> well, you know, and, and so... I'll go back even to when uh, in the state of Illinois for a period of time, we weren't allowed to gather together and people would talk about, well, the church is closed. And and my constant comment was we, you can't close the church, <laughs> right? You know, you can try all you want, but if the church is all of God's people in all places and, and all, also I'll say in all time, if this is all of God's people together with the Holy Spirit of God living in us and working in us and, and uniting us and empowering us to do his work, then, then you know, that's different, right? right. It, it, it is, so, so it's not just your, the people who, who fellowship in your particular, worship in your particular congregation that are the church, but you're connected with all believers. So, so that's one thing I'll say. Second thing is, you know, we come from a, a, a group of congregations, a group of churches, if you want to use that term, denomination denomination. <laughs> that believe in the priesthood of all believers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the other thing that I'll say is, and this is what I think Paul's getting across here. It's not, the foundation was laid by the apostles and the prophets, but then it is all believers in all places that have this responsibility of pushing back against, you know, the, mm-hmm. presenting the gospel. Which I've said before, I like to think of as pushing back against the effects of the fall. So we're we're preaching the message of reconciliation. We're reconciling to one another. Uh, we're we're being through the power of the Spirit. We're being transformed to be people that we were created to be, and and we're we're at work in trying to. Work against the the effects of the fall that we see in creation: poverty and and disease and um, injustice. And, you know all these things. It's all of it together, right? And and we it's it's hard. You know we we get focused on one thing sometimes. Um, like you'll find certain um, congregations that very very much emphasize. Uh, getting right with God without the rest of it. You have some that may become very involved in discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have some that are very interested in in bringing people together. And, and you may have some people that are very interested in things like social justice and and poverty and those kind of things. My point is it's all of it it's got to be all of it together in order for us to be accomplishing the work, the big work <laughs> that mm-hmm. God has. This isn't, you know, and again, I think the other thing then maybe the third thing I'll say is this isn't just, as I've said before, this isn't just some isolated, you know, I don't like to talk about what time is church because it's not an hour on Sunday morning, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Th- that may be a time we gather intentionally to worship but it's, it's got to be something that's all aspects of our lives, you know, that we're using even the, you know, the, the finances that God blesses us with, the, the, the careers that God gives us, the families that God blesses us with. All these things are part of what we're doing in order to, um, you know, to, to promote the, the work of the gospel in, in the world, I think. And, and again, that's, that's the thing I want us to grasp is that this is God's plan that he purposed, in creation brought to culmination when the times were full in in jesus and now is continues to be at work in the church despite what some uh, theologians might might say um the age of the apostles was very in my opinion was a very specific time the Mm -hmm. age of the prophets of the apostles um but the work of the church for which the church was equipped. Continues, and, and that's that's the way I would see this this progressing. And we're going to see that in Ephesians five, but yeah. I don't want to give that away. But. Yeah.
0: Well, no, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think it's I fall in that trap of how I speak about. Yeah. You know, I don't believe that the church is a building. Right. But you know, we fall in that trap, yeah. and I think even thinking about that a little bit differently. Yes. Helps us recognize our role. Yeah you know cuz I, I think if we, when we speak it the other way we're disassociating ourselves yeah. from it
1: our language our language matters the way we we mm-hmm. think about and talk about things i think i think our language we, matters
0: yeah churches all times with all people yeah you yeah. know what I mean, and so right. instead of disassociating ourselves as this is a Sunday morning thing, or this is right. it is a full time, this is the call that we've been placed on, and right and how we interact and and do everything. So yeah,
1: even even the particular congregation that God calls us to, or that we find ourselves you know involved in. Again, sometimes sometimes people say, "Well, I'm looking for a church, you know, that does this or you know whatever," and and uh, you know there there may be a, a place for that, and God may sometimes use even dissatisfaction to cause us to look for um a place that we were able to serve well but uh, we come from a very individualistic and a very consumeristic mm-hmm. culture i'm talking about north america now and um, you know it's about what can the church do you know the church do for me mm-hmm. uh, when the question is how can i most be equipped and set apart in order to do the work that god has called me to do in the church so
0: yeah i've i've likened the amount of choices we have to yeah. like the golden corral of churches <laughs> it's like i want man, fried you, chicken right now you know what yeah. i'm feeling
1: like some if you, roast don't want, beef. if you don't want those pickled beets man <laughs> just leave them
0: <laughs> unbelievably on a totally separate note we had a golden corral reopen here really yes That's it interesting. was closed from the pandemic we're wrapping up this episode obviously the golden corral reopened and we drove by it, and I could not believe my eyes. The parking lot oh.
1: was full. You know, people well,
0: love a good buffet, but they do. <laughs> they love a good buffet. But well, uh, correction, they love a buffet. I <laughs> I feel like I'm giving <laughs> good or otherwise. Well, Lauren, my wife's comment was like, you know, people are coming back like on the next door app. I'm sure if everybody's got the next door app, they're like, oh, it's so good. And she's like, you have to recognize this is the peak that it's ever going to be. <laughs> And it's only going to go downhill right. from there.
1: It's funny. I, I belong to a – yeah, now we, we are wrapping this up. And, and we said we were going to talk about food, but here we are talking about food because it's the bistro. It's the bistro. But I'm a part of a Facebook group that talks about um, – you know, and sometimes I'll say, what kind of restaurant do we need to have in our town? And, and uh, inevitably, there will be people, oh, we need a good buffet. <laughs> it's like, we really – looking at the people in this group, we really do not need a good buffet. <laughs> That's the last thing we need. So. Well, anyway. on, that <laughs> on that note, notes. as we wrap up the first part of Ephesians three, as I, Paul says, I buffet no anyway. <laughs> I Buffet my body daily. Oh my! Oh, preacher joke right there.
0: All right. Anyway, <laughs> well, Brian, thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, no I think
1: this is this has
0: been fantastic. Good. I hope everyone is enjoying this episode. Yeah. These episodes as much. I mean, so. I am. I'm really enjoying Good. them, and so I hope well, it's
1: all about you, so. <laughs>
0: Did I mention that we trade barbs every once in a while? And now you're getting a little... Yeah, sorry. A little.
1: No. It's almost lunchtime, so...
0: And very rarely does he say the word sorry after he does that. It's only for your benefit, <laughs> audience. All right. Well, thanks so much, yeah. Brian. I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to the part that you keep saying. You're like, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Next week. You better bring it. Yeah. Well,
1: holy cow. Now, now the no pressure. No pressure,
0: but we're all yeah. waiting. So we're
1: heading to Golden Golden Corral now, right? Golden Corral, right.
0: guys. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, we are welcoming another guest to the Bistro. Dr. Trimper Longman III will be joining us as we discuss his new book, Revelation Through Old Testament Eyes. Dr. Longman, recently retired, was an Old Testament professor for many years and has been a participating author in over 30 books. We discuss the importance of the Old Testament for our faith and for getting a handle on the message of the book of Revelation. It's a great conversation you won't want to miss. We hope you will join us for that. Thanks again for joining us at the table. We will be back Tuesday.